0: We are on the brink of a mental health crisis, and this is why I am so appreciative of the folks over at BetterHelp. They provide the largest online counseling platform worldwide. They change the way people get help with facing life's challenges by providing convenient, discreet, and affordable access to licensed therapists. BetterHelp makes professional counseling available anytime anywhere through a computer tablet or smartphone sign up today go to betterhelp.com and use the promo code solving healthcare and get 10% off sign up fees
1: Podcast 99 at
0: reach out on Facebook at Quadcast, or online at drquadjo.ca. Welcome to Solving Healthcare. I'm Quadro Caramante. I'm an ICU and palliative care physician here in Ottawa and the founder of Resource Optimization Network. We are on a mission to transform healthcare in Canada. I'm going to talk with physicians, nurses, administrators, patients and their families because inefficiencies, overwork and overcrowding affects us all. I believe it's time for a better healthcare system that's more cost-effective, dignified and just for everyone involved. Organization welcome back. We have a special episode with my friend Dr. Alfred Atanda Jr. He's a pediatric orthopedic surgeon started an amazing initiative called sports link MD basically a, an ability to connect with a specialist through telemedicine to address young athletes orthopedic concerns what I like about this is it's thinking outside the box it's increasing access for so many patients this model is beautiful but we also get into physician wellness so we him and I met at a conference in Orlando put on by CMA, BMA, and, and AMA. And we we got into it about physician wellness. What, what really are the barriers for us to creating a thriving environment for physicians and other healthcare providers? Talk about how we achieve work-life balance. And we did this interview also on Black History Month, and we tied in at the end how being Black physicians – How that ties to wellness. And I think his answer will surprise you. It was a really, really hopeful answer. So can't wait for you guys to listen before jumping into it. Let me tell you about this. It's our latest initiative, Solving Healthcare Media. You can find it at quadcast.substack.com. Man, this is us changing the boogie. One platform for all healthcare solutions. We have our videos, our blogs. Our podcast, pre early releases of our podcast, solving wellness content all on one site. A couple guest appearances as well f- from the likes of Debbie Moore Black, Dr. April Elliott, and much, much more. Check it out today, quadcast.subsec.com. You won't be disappointed. All right. Without further ado, Dr. Alfred Atanda Jr. Qualcast Nation, I'm really jazzed up to be bringing Dr. Alfred Attenda Jr. to the podcast. Fellow Ganyin, yes. you know what I'm saying? Oh my God, we don't. I, you might be the second Ganyin to to make an appearance on the Qualcast. So welcome aboard, my friend.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. We got to meet each other at a wellness conference in Orlando, and he's been doing it some amazing work with SportsLink link MD. So maybe we could just start off with how did you come up with this concept and how's it going so far?
1: Yeah. So, you know, as a pediatric sports medicine surgeon, um, I've been sitting in the walls of our clinic for about 12 years now. And I realized that, you know, we're doing, a service to our, our patients by being available to them and, you know, seeing them in a brick and mortar style, seeing them in the office. But we're definitely doing a disservice to them because we're not really readily engaged with our families when they're not physically in front of us. And in the U.S., our healthcare system is very episodic and if you are not in front of me, it's almost like you don't exist. But as we know, life continues, you know, from the time you see your PCP to the time you go to the ER to the time you go to the specialist. A lot of life happens in between, and there's not been a very good infrastructure to engage with families and really help navigate them through day-to-day trials and tribulations in between those episodic encounters. So SportsLink MD is a telemedicine concierge service where I'm available to the parents of youth athletes and they can ask me questions, they can get second opinions, they can have their expectations managed, all in a concierge format from the comfort of their own home or wherever they may be. Um, the goal isn't really to drive in-person traffic. I'm not their doctor. I'm not treating them per se, but you know, the true value that I bestow upon people isn't really when they come and see me and I put on a cast or give them crutches or even schedule them for surgery. I think the most valuable thing I give people is that I just make them feel better about whatever problem their child has, whatever ailment they're dealing with. And a lot of times people have to wait in order to get in front of a specialist um, in order to kind of get the information and guidance that they crave. And when they call the office, as you know, they talk to three, four, five different people. Um, And I may call them back in however many days, or I'll tell my assistant who will then call them back. So they may never even actually get to speak to me unless they physically come in. So the idea behind SportsLink MD was really to bridge that gap of what families do in between in-person encounters and how they can be navigated in the right direction and also have their fears alleviated and questions answered.
0: I can't emphasize how brilliant that is. You, you think about how many people after seeing specialists or seeing any physician, questions come up. Mm-hmm. issues come up and what ends up happening, you either try and reach your family doctor or you Google things, or you talk to friends to try and get things addressed. Or as you mentioned, you make that phone call to the specialist's office, but you know, you ain't getting an answer for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and, or not, Not the answer from the specialist. That's for sure. Exactly. <laughs> so it's just, it's more connected and it's mm-hmm. more efficient. It's brilliant. So like when they reach out to you, is this on SportsLink? Are they getting? Are you are you texting with them or the phone call? Like how do you how do you connect with them? Um,
1: my the platform has the website as a scheduling platform where they can just schedule time to talk to me, and um, well, mostly we just do it over the phone or text or email. Um, I'm now bringing on a telemedicine platform so we can have a HIPAA secure, you know, audio visual capability like this. But I mean, no, typically it's just over the phone. Um, and they can ask me whatever they want, you know, and I, I really got the idea from, you know, I have six older siblings and they all have kids. Six? I, I'm the youngest of seven.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's a busy house.
1: It's a, it was a busy house growing up and there's 20 something grandkids and all my siblings are asking me questions and doing this. And their sibling, my siblings, kids, friends and parents are asking me. And I was like, you know, this is valuable information that I'm just literally giving away for free. And I'm a physician, so I enjoy helping and connecting with people. But at the end of the day, I mean, if you can monetize helping and connecting with people, you might as well do that, and people really crave that because they're, you know, every facet of our lives is really connected digitally, whether it be e-commerce, ride sharing, um, streaming, home delivery, food services, what have you. But healthcare, as you know, is so fragmented, and it, the inertia that you have to overcome in order to get the knowledge and advice and information from a, a, a knowledgeable specialist or even PCP is enormous. Um, so something like this, especially in the world of youth sports where everything to them is life or death. You know, these kids are elite level. They're playing six, seven days a week, 11, 12 months out of the year. So to be able to give them something at their fingertips, um, where they can interact with someone like me, who they know that they can trust, that's a valued source, that's educated, experienced. That's really unprecedented in this day and age, you know? Um, so hopefully I'm filling a gap and providing a solution that will benefit a lot of people.
0: Absolutely. And just out of curiosity, like what would be some of the typical encounters you have? Like, Oh, in, in the-
1: yeah. I mean, it's, it's very bread and butter. I mean, one thing could be, Hey, you know, my nine-year-old son plays soccer. He's been complaining a heel pain for two weeks. He's still playing, but after practice as he limps a little bit, is that okay? What should I do? Or, Hey, you know, my son had an injury. He went to the urgent care. Um, they took x-rays. They were negative, And they said, you have to follow up with a, you know, pediatric specialist before you resume sports. Three days have gone by. He's feeling much better. Can he just play or do I actually have to come in person? Or somebody will actually see a surgeon for a surgical problem. Let's say they tore their ACL and that surgeon told them they need surgery and they just want another opinion. You know, am I doing the right thing? Is this a common thing to do surgery for these? Can it heal without surgery? And I review images and MRIs. I have a little system where people can upload um, DICOM images so I can review those. Um, so it's 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 the whole gamut of concerns and questions that parents have. A lot of which may not necess- necessitate an in-person visit, but, you know, some of them may already may have seen somebody, but they, you know, they just want, to be reassured they just want to feel better about whatever decision they made so it's it's there's such a wide variety of use cases and i've been learning on the fly it's very interesting
0: i i only see this growing my friend like just this model of care in general mm-hmm. to be so in touch with the, the patient and to be able to address these non non-acute in the sense that you know it's not life-threatening or it doesn't doesn't always need urgent intervention but certainly right. when it comes to their overall quality of life to be able to have some of these questions addressed like I think about that kid like I you know I've got three young boys and I'm very active in sports they have an injury and they get one message to say you can't go on on the the pitch or you can't go on the ice and you get a second opinion or you get uh, you you actually get to talk to the surgeon and say hey is this true wow like that is that's powerful so like is a, is a, is the model they pay per encounter is it is it uh a membership what's the model for this yeah it's
1: one of it's either or it could be a la carte maybe you just want a one time visit um or it's much more cost effective to have a subscription service um, where for a monthly fee, uh, depending on how much they pay and the tier they pay out will dictate how much access they get to me, right? They can't call me, you know, 25 times a day, seven days a week. But, you know, at the very minimum, they'll get one or two kind of audiovisual visits like this um, per month um, per child. And that can go up depending on how much they pay. So it's it's mostly um, we're driving towards doing some sort of membership. Um, because I think that'll be easier and it'll be cheaper in
0: the long run um, for the parents. Mm, I I really like it, and what I, <laughs> what I enjoy Alfred too is like it's thinking outside the box too. It's not a traditional model of care that you and I grew up learning about in medical school. This is innovative. It's it's trying to address a need, and I think it's awesome. And yeah. One thing that we I mean we met at the wellness. Physician health and wellness uh, uh, conference in Orlando. I'm curious to to know, like, how does this weigh into your wellness? Right, you know what I mean, like, you, you're, you're you're, a, you're a busy surgeon, family man, you've got podcast now. You know what I'm saying? Like all these all these things. Is this is this something that improves? Your overall wellness, is this an added stress? Like, how does that weigh into all of this? Yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, as a surgeon,
1: the only way that I truly provide value in the traditional sense is by seeing patients or by doing procedures. That's literally it. And I have to be physically somewhere in order to do that. But there's so many other ways and facets of my life that I provide value to people, but they're not recognized by CMS and we're not reimbursed and I'm not paid to do those things. So doing something like SportsLink MD, it allows me the flexibility and the autonomy to be in my own home or to be traveling or be in the car or wherever I may be and still help people and still provide value. And for me personally, the end goal is to kind of grow something like SportsLink MD to the point where I have enough revenue coming in such that I can back off a little bit from the traditional day to day grind because I don't know about you, but I have very little control over my time. Um, and I have young kids at home. And if next Tuesday I want to go on a class trip with one of them and be a chaperone, I can't do that. I have to ask, you know, an administrator or somebody six, eight weeks in advance to take a t- day off just to be able to live my life and spend time with my child. You know, I don't think being a physician and surgeon and valued member of the healthcare ecosystem should preclude you from being able to have flexibility in your own life. So yeah, there's a little bit of startup work that you have to do to get something like this off the ground. But if it grows to the level that I'm hoping it will definitely allow me to lean more towards, you know, this concierge model where I can provide value on my own terms and kind of move away from what we call the golden shackles <laughs> of being shackled to the hospital and the healthcare system.
0: It's funny you 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 put it that way because you really don't have control of your own time. I, it you know differing clinicians have different differing stressors, but I must say at a personal level, that's a, that's a motivator for myself too. With some of these side hustle projects, it's not necessarily. You need time off now, or whatever. But also the the risk of burnout in in our profession. I always think of it more, almost like that insurance policy that things mm-hmm. will be okay if dad needs to s- step out of the game for a bit, or or, or what or, or whatnot. But it's it's uh, it's a good point to to make about having that flexibility and and freedom to be able to go to your kids' concert, field trip. You know, for me, it's weekends. we do a yeah. lot of weekends, obviously in an i c u and that's that's big family time right and yeah, having that flexibility to be able to have those options, I think would be incredible,
1: yeah, and that's what I've craved the most um, and that's really what i mean to be honest with you i'm I'm divorced now, um I have two kids, but they're twelve and nine, but when they were six and three is when I, 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 I left my marriage. So having something like that situation is really what pushed me over the edge to kind of leaning more towards side hustle life. Cause before that, you know, I was a regular surgeon. I did my clinical stuff, did operating stuff, did research, blah, blah, blah. But I quickly realized that I still need to feed my children. I still need to be fulfilled at work. I still need to provide value to my organization and trying to satisfy all of those three things in the traditional sense when my family situation got a little bit altered was going to be was tough. Mm. So I had to look for different avenues that I can still be the man, father, and surgeon that I wanted to be, um, but still, you know, put food on the
0: table and still keep my job. Mm. And it's funny you were saying if this thing becomes successful, I, I don't know, my my spotty sense is this bad boy is going to fly cuz bad boy <laughs> is going to fly it's, it's it's but yeah I, I hear you with in terms of trying to be able to balance all the responsibilities maintaining options mm-hmm. food on the table yeah all these things it's 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 heavy it, what what do you think about the whole wellness space now like i i, I Yes, we are bringing more attention to it. We were at a conference about it. Yeah. Do you think we're where we we need to be? Do you think we have a lot more work to do? What's your sense? You know,
1: um, I trained in the early 2000s um, and we have come light years from that. But we still have a long way to go. I think, you know, the old dogma was... Focusing on individual level interventions and tactics, focusing on on gritty, grittiness, resilience, mindfulness, yoga, you know, walks at lunch, you know, thinking those things are all physicians needed to kind of recharge. But we know from a lot of the work we've done, the research we've done, it's it's the system that's the issue. You know, Mm -hmm. we can't create a fragmented, chaotic, disorganized, inefficient system system. And take well-intentioned people and throw them into it, and not support them. Um, I think medical training is is really lacking because you know, as me as an orthopedic surgeon, all I was ever trained to do was to do procedures and to see patients in the office. I was never trained to be an effective communicator. I was never trained to be an effective leader. I was never trained how to manage my time, how to prioritize tasks how to be emotionally aware of how my behavior and the words I say affect those around me. It's kind of like giving somebody a small little toolbox and and telling them to build a skyscraper, you know, like when you don't have the tools that you need to do your job, when it's a stressful job, people are going to crack and they're going to break, but it's not because there's something wrong with them, which is what I think the old teachings and old dogma and old stigma around burnout was We're now shifting towards being aware that something is wrong with the system. So as we move forward and where we need to go is to really create a system that basically allows people to do their jobs in the most efficient and practical and streamlined way. And we are kind of at least telling that story, but we're definitely not where we need to be for sure
0: you bring up some really good points like i like the idea of like if i'm an organization i want and i'm serious about wellness and of of my physicians it's eliminating barriers right. eliminating roadblocks that allow us to do our job effectively cuz i feel it's only gotten worse in some ways of course <laughs> look at your in, look at your inbox right now i'm sure yeah uh, you know uh, it's it's wild. And I don't know, it's easy to recognize a problem. I don't know how easy it is for solutions, but certainly, you know, my job as a leader uh, within my own organization is, is to try and eliminate barriers from our physicians, like to, to try and allow them to do not only their clinical work, but their academic work as, 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 as efficiently as possible.
1: You know, one of the common themes that comes up for me is I'm a firm believer that there's three main reasons why anything ever happens in a healthcare system. One is because of money, either to make more of it or waste less of it. Two is patient care, right? So if there's an untoward outcome, God forbid a patient dies, a patient complains, everybody's scrambling to then kind of rectify the situation. And number three, which is an enormous bucket, which is external regulatory pressures. So that's Jaco, that's OSHA, that's legal issues, compliance, HIPAA, privacy. And invariably, when all of those things are kind of at play and hospitals are moving in certain directions, those things invariably make our jobs harder. Right. If there's some new initiative about privacy, guess what? There's three more passwords that you have to have, and your computer is going to time out quicker. And you're trying to save money. Well, they're going to take resources away from you. Oh, by the way, this patient didn't like blah, blah, blah. From now on, I hear decree that this is no longer going to exist, and it's probably going to take something from the doctor. So, my job as the director of clinician well being in my hospital is how do we flip that model 180 degrees rather than Having all of those three main buckets hurt physicians, how do we change things so that, yeah, when we're trying to save money, we're actually instituting things that make the physician's jobs easier. When we're trying to comply with JCO and OSHA and all that regulatory stuff, we're bearing in mind that, okay, we're going to bring a new initiative, but the physicians and the frontline workers, we have to ensure that we're all in alignment. And I think historically, it's been like, oh, let's institute this. And nobody's ever asked the question of like, well, how is this going to affect the doctors? And 10 years goes by and then people start clawing and clamoring of, of how to make change. And I think, you know, it, it, when you're thinking about interventions, it wholeheartedly has to be from the top down. You know, you can't punish the people who are working in a suboptimal environment when they're not working to the top of their game, when they're feeling stressed out and emotionally exhausted and depersonalized and all too often, especially in surgical fields, Mm. that's what the scapegoat is. It's like, well, such and such couldn't handle it. They were weak. So they changed specialties and they went and did, you know, dermatology or whatever. And that's how we, when I was training, that's how we would look at people who left surgical residency instead of being like, these people are the top of their class. They're a creme de la creme through college and high school and medical school. They get to some residency or some job and they crack. Why would you just assume that something is wrong with them?
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, but that's what we do all too often. So hopefully, we can change that model and change that narrative in the conversation.
0: Yeah, and I just think, and maybe I'm looking at this too simplistically, but sometimes I just think you need to be aware, like just have ask the question when you bring in this policy. How will it affect the clinicians? How is it going to affect their ability to do their job? Cause right. I don't think we ask that question. And the more not I think often. about it, I don't think, I don't think that question is being asked. It's as you, you mentioned, if it's the uh, privacy regulation, this is what we need to do. Full stop. We're, no, you know, no one's asking. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe it's happening, but if it is, it's in my humble opinion, it's not that apparent. And, yeah, just having that slight change in mindset of asking ourselves how that is going to impact those that are serving us. Right. Might be the nudge. You know what I'm saying? Listen, let me ask you a question. You're a hockey guy, right?
1: Most deaf. Who's your favorite team? Oilers. Oilers. Okay. I don't know anything about the Oilers. But imagine a world – where the guys on the ice were also the same guys driving the Zamboni, cleaning the stands, selling tickets out front, you know, putting up billboards about, you know, the team and, and, the, and the next game that's coming up. Imagine if they spent all this time and energy doing things other than taking care of their bodies and playing hockey. Like you would never for one second allow those guys to even tie their own skates. They have <laughs> trainers and all these people, you know, I don't know much about hockey, but I'm a soccer guy, right? They have guys handing you the ball, catching the balls when they go over the net. they're doing everything. All you have to do is show up and breathe and take care of your body. That's it. Mm. Now imagine if that's what it was for how many times you've been at work and you're hungry and you're, and you're scrambling and worried about where to go eat or that the cafeteria is already closed or that you're in the ICU doing a procedure and the cafeteria is half a mile away. Like, why is this guy who's putting in a central line into somebody or doing resuscitations, keeping somebody alive, wondering where he's going to eat? It's just <laughs> insanity. But that's the world we live in. When you put it like that, then people laugh and people are like, oh, yeah, that is crazy. But guess what? We go through that every day, every single
0: day. It's as you're saying it it, it, it makes you makes you want to cry. Like, this is crazy when you think about it. Cause, it's insane. It's insane. what you're describing is absolutely true. I was in a circumstance similar to this where the coffee, the main coffee place is going to close at two thirty. Let's hustle. Right. The, I don't know where we're going to have supper. And if we are going to have supper, it's not going to be some something nutritious. You know what I mean It's a vending machine Yeah (laughs) and and like it adds up You know and and often these things aren't I feel like It's a little bit of effort that gives you A long That will benefit you in the long Run right and I think people Just have to believe in it Take it seriously invest in it And remember these are human beings These are these are your people Treat them like fam You know what I'm saying
1: Well, the the ramifications of burnout are tremendous. And Mm. it's now these days that we're trying to shed light on that and be able to quantify that, you know, medical errors, medical mistakes, poor patient satisfaction, turnover of physicians. Um, It, it, it takes its toll on the system. And it's very like, oh, well, if we feed the doctors every day, that's going to cost a lot of money, but having a fleet of doctors that are, coming to work every don't mind the people that actually quit. The problem is the people that still show up to work wow. that are burnt out because that's when the mistakes are made. That's when you have a fleet full of surgeons who do nothing but yell at people every day. You think these surgeons in general were born that way? You think they were 10 years old in the playground, throwing sand in people's eyes, kicking people's and there's people in the shins. These guys are doing a stressful job and they've been beaten down and this is like the only way they know how to cope. But for some reason, if you can do a procedure quickly and do a lot of them, the fact that you treat everybody terribly around you, nobody says anything. But what the hospital doesn't understand is that for every one joint replacement this surgeon does and makes the hospital money, they're causing three other staff members to quit or they're causing other people to not work at the top of their game because they're afraid of them. So imagine if that surgeon was optimized and felt good about coming to work and had a smile on his or her face every day, they would do twice the amount of joint replacement surgeries, you know, and it's that kind of thinking and mentality that I think hospital leadership and administrators really need to grapple with. And we're, we're moving in the right direction. We are telling the story, but it's going to be a couple decades till it's like really entrenched in the, in the culture of, of, of the greater us healthcare system. Yeah,
0: no, it, it's, it's, that, uh, that's fan- fantastic, points, Alfred. I I also made you also made me think a bit about some of the soft skills, as or whatever term is appropriate, that we don't get taught to. Like it's mm-hmm. one of the things that I love teaching the trainees is how you communicate effectively, how you time manage, how you prioritize. Sure. You, you know, it's it, I do think there would be a place for that whether that is in medical school or during residency cuz ultimately if you can have a well well-oiled physician that is that that is uh more efficient with their time and more rested because of being more efficient you're going your output's going to be better and i think yeah i really think there's a place for that i i guess i'm wondering your opinion on what do you think start like right away in medical school? You think this is a residency uh, approach? Where no, you this, put this takes time.
1: This, I would start pre-med, medical school. I mean, I look back to medical school and I think of all the classes and, you know, specific medical things and anatomy and physiology and all that stuff that I never use to this day. But having even like once a week or twice a week for like half an hour of different life skills, you know, And and you tailor it to the, to the level of education. So when you're in medical school, you're learning like study habits. You're learning how to deal with stress. You're learning how not to compare yourself to all your fellow classmates. Cause that's all we do. Then you become a resident and you're like, okay, I'm eventually going to need a job. So I need to learn how to negotiate contracts. I need how to manage my money. You know, one day you wake up and you make all this money. And what do you do? You go out and buy all this stuff. You buy a big house, you buy nice clothes. And that's great but now you're, ta- you're 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 constraining those shackles harder because <laughs> you wake up after a year you don't like your job well you're not quitting who's going to pay for that you know 10,000 square foot house you just bought um somewhere you know like teaching people those sorts of things and then when they are attendings you teach them things about like academic promotion and academic development how do you get from you know assistant professor to associate professor how do you learn when to say no when when senior docs are telling you to write book chapters for them and and do publications for them you know like you don't learn any of that you just kind of deal with it the best you can and you cope the best you can and some people are naturally just better at that than others right everybody has their innate skills but i would say by and large most of us all of those sorts of things just cause stress. Mm. And that's aside from waking up early every day and going to work and treating patients and having bad outcomes and having patients sue you and all the other things doctors go through. So those soft skills you talk about, when you add them all up, that's a large set of tools you know, that you're walking around that you just don't have. And I think that's the fundamental problem. You know, that's where the burnout and all that comes from is that now we're in a system and we don't know how to function in the system. You know, This the other day I had a mom come, you know, to to clinic and they they were late. There's like a late policy. And she flipped out because we said we wouldn't see them. So guess what? The front desk person talks to the administrator who comes talks to me. What, what 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 am I a hostage negotiator? I'm I'm not an expert in talking to irate parents, but everything that's like unpalatable invariably falls on my lap, and yeah. I'm just a doctor trying to see my patients. So when that happened, what do you do? You can't go home. You can't leave. They push me out there, mm. and in addition to all my emails piling up and my patients who are waiting, I have to go deal with that. Mm. And that's a small little example, but that's just a, like a, such a microcosm. Of all the stuff you just have to deal with that you literally have no idea how to deal with. And everybody's looking towards you as the leader to diffuse X, Y, or Z situation. Mm. And it's those sorts of things like you you may need to put something in place where there's a person at every clinic that can come and talk to irate parents so that the doctors can do their job. You know, when there's a fight in the stands, when you get mad at another dad and you start fighting wow. at the Edmonton Oilers game, the players don't stop and come break up the fight. <laughs> they have security guards there that deal with that. You know, it, w- it would be unimaginable,
0: but that's mm. kind of what it's like.
1: And it's don't even get me started. I get, I get really riled up about this kind of stuff.
0: <laughs> but it's, it's good points. And, and it's, it is true that these are skills that I would have loved to have learned and developed early on. And, you know, I can speak personally. Some of these skills were I acquired from real life. Like I was between degrees. I was a bartender. So you learn a lot of real life skills, but there's a lot of, like, I mean, there was a, one of my med classmates was 17 going into medical school. Was, wow. You know, and, and you think about the, the lack of ability to develop these skills or exposure to having these skills. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I would, you know, it's a great answer. There's no reason it couldn't be routinely approached throughout our, our training. You know, I, I, I really think that's, that's a, a good point, Alfred. Um, one thing that maybe we'll, we'll end on, and I know it's a big topic and, and so I'm going to apologize ahead of time. It's a tough one. That's okay. We, we all know it's black history month. It's, we've all experienced our own, Forms of racism throughout our careers and our professionally, unprofessionally, we've all experienced racism. Sure. I'm, and we've seen how it affects patient outcomes too. But I guess what, the way I want to frame it, Alfred, is how has you being a, a Black physician, how has that affected your wellness?
1: Uh, I would say two things. Number one, As a young Black man walking around the Delaware Valley in New Jersey where I was raised, I was always treated a certain way, looked at in a certain way. And when I walk around the hospital as an orthopedic surgeon, it's one of the few spaces in my life where I feel like everybody else. I I, I don't feel different. I feel like You know, respected, I feel like people automatically assume positive things about me, Mm. you know, and and that's a good feeling. That being said. I am in an environment where pretty much most of the other surgeons don't look like me, Mm. Um, so sometimes those undertones when I'm surrounded, like at a conference or something, I do get hints of prejudice and stereotype and racism. But I also have a lot of hope because when I walk into a room and see a black family, they almost are taken aback when I introduce myself as Dr. Atanda. I can see their eyes glow. And when, the, you know, I treat youth athletes and the kids in high school, I'm always like, Oh, what do you want to do? You know, where do you want to go to college? Do you want to play sports? Blah, blah, blah. You know, what do you want to do when you grow up? Like the fact that they see somebody, of my status showing a general interest in them and asking questions about them i feel like it 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 provides value to this child far beyond you know my little patient encounter with them because i know a lot of kids in in certain situations they would never meet a black doctor their whole lives as as kids you know and here they all they have one in front of them so i always use that as an opportunity to really try to make an impact on somebody's life. And it is a little awkward at times because I'm in a profession that's predominantly white, but I also understand that being black gives me the opportunity to be a beacon of hope um, and a, and a role model for, for a lot of kids out there. I mean, I never had a black doctor when I was growing up. I know that for a fact, Um so there's pluses and minuses to it and you know you you you're who you are and you fit in society in a certain way and you have to make the most
0: of it. I really like that answer. You know I I've been doing a lot of talks on racism and healthcare and you know most of the, the talk we when we we mention these things is on the negative for sure. But there is that there is that hope. Number one, I think things are getting better compared to when we were young. You know, you as I, I never had. A, i never saw a black doctor when I was a kid, and the no. only one I saw was my cousin, and he he, he didn't live in the same city. But, <laughs> but yeah, seeing the more diverse people embracing diversity, seeing more black physicians, seeing black medical student uh, like uh, admission programs uh, up in Canada. Here we're seeing more of that. And what you said too about walking into a room when you see a black family—it's so true. Like it, you there is that ray of positivity that's flowing through everywhere, and people are—they are, almost feel like they're your cheering squad in some ways. And then <laughs> at the same time, you're also providing them with, especially you in your case, when you're seeing a lot of young, young, right. young kids that you can you could achieve this goal you can be here you could be in our spot and it's it tangible. becomes a reality would you say i said it's tangible for them it's tangible exactly it's it's legit i love it i love it my friend <laughs> there's a great way to end the end off the show but please alfred tell us where we could get more of you whether it's on social media your podcast throw it down yeah mostly everything
1: is um Sports Link md s-p-o-r-t-s-l-i-n-k md is going to be um, kind of my side hustle social media stuff but I'm uh, on Facebook and Instagram as Alfred Atonda or Alfred Atonda Jr
0: amazing amazing thank you so much for joining us and thanks for having me absolutely was great. brother absolutely talk to you soon all right Qualcast Nation. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Check out our Substack page quadcast.substack.com for all your healthcare solutions. You will not be disappointed. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, at Qualcast. Leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcast helps with the visibility. You know what? Actually, do me this favor. Share the podcast. Straight up. Send an episode, your favorite episode, this one if you want, to a friend, to a loved one. Because as I said, we we're, we were going to change the boogie. This is how we do it. Spread the word, baby. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll connect again real quick. Peace.